Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So back in August, I went down to the Wissahickon Creek area, found a picnic table, and I have this creative moment, but also sort of stressful moment of, of sermon planning and preparation. And uh, it's, it's always fun because you, you're trying to think ahead of time and you're trying to envision what, uh, what, what types of sermons or types of themes to, to kind of weave in and out. Are there any holidays to pay attention to? Any, anything coming up culturally to pay attention to? And uh, that day I carved out today, this Sunday, as World Missions Sunday. I like to take at least one Sunday a year and we just put the whole world on the stage, uh, from, from here in Philadelphia area, to Alaska, to Somalia, to Australia, to the Sahara, to the Amazon, like the whole world is our stage today. It's a day where we, we also just consider church history, okay, 2,000 years of church history. I'm actually curious, has anybody ever taken like a church history course before? Anybody actually study the, the last 2000s, 2000 years of, of church history? Okay, so we might have some work to do. There, there's a lot of history in this thing, this faith, this spiritual religion called Christianity. So we, we're also considering just world Christianity, the world missions movement, the modern missions movement, movement over the last 150, 200 years, world Christianity. That's what we're considering today. Uh, so let's, uh, let's pray and ask for the Lord's guidance this morning. Dear Jesus, we need you today. I need you today. I just ask that you would, uh, you would just come here uh, into this, this time of, of learning and worship, God. Uh, Jesus, would you, um, would you bring your, your, your power? Would you bring your, your peace to us today, Lord? Jesus, I just ask that, that your message, uh, what, what you want to, to get out, Lord, would you just uh, unveil it so well for us today? Jesus, open our, our minds and our hearts to, to, to just be present today, Lord. That, uh, that text messages or uh, things going on later today... Uh, things going on later this, this week, things that have happened this past week, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would, you would just kind of let that fade. May we be present today with you. Speak to us. Help us to understand this mighty concept called world missions, world Christianity. Take us to where we need to go, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So let me begin by asking you, who introduced you to Jesus? Who introduced you to Jesus? All right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so it may not necessarily be the person who led you to a prayer of salvation of some sort, but certainly there might be parents or Sunday school teachers, VBS uh, volunteers, or maybe at, at college, maybe you went to a Christian concert, and there was a good speaker, and there was this 
uh, invitation and you went down to the mosh pit or, or even off to the side of the stage and somebody was there to, to pray with you. There was a prayer tent and, and volunteers praying with you. Maybe it was a pastor, a youth pastor. And I just want you to consider the, 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 the people who have led us to Jesus, the people who have introduced us to Jesus, they absolutely are a part of world Christianity. Okay? They're, they're a part of this movement of faith. They, they passed on the torch. They, they, they said, hey, here's Jesus. Here's the good news. They introduced us to Jesus. And this, this movement of, of faith that's been going on for, for a long, long time, the, the, the grace of Jesus has been on the move. And it still continues to be on the move. And over in our, our kids' department, they're, they're doing little kids' church, right? But we're, we're introducing them to Jesus. We're, we're saying, hey, here's, here's the lighthouse. Here's the torch. Here is Jesus. The Jesus movement is happening in the other building right now. The Jesus movement continues today. God is on the move, and he's been on the move for a long time. I mean, we can look back to, uh, to Genesis let me just pull out Genesis 12, 3. God calls Abram. Through Abram, through this family, God is going to bless the world. Ultimately, that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's blessing to the whole wide world. We jump to the early church, Acts chapter 15. The early church, they meet up, the Jerusalem council. They, they, they decide, hey, you know what? It is through faith. In Jesus, that is how people are saved. Whether you are Jewish or non-Jewish, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. It is through faith in Jesus. That's how people are saved. The early church, Acts 15, they, they, they settled it. They, they decided, they're like, yes, this is grace. You know what? This Jesus movement continues to be multicultural. It continues to be multi-ethnic. It's a multi-ethnic uh, movement. And if you think about it, there, there's no official language to Christianity, right? You know, how, how, many, how many different languages have said the Lord's Prayer this morning, right? I think there's, there's over 7,000 languages left in the world. That's amazing, the gospel is for everyone. The gospel can be translated into every, every language. It can make itself home. Uh, it can make itself at home all around the world. God wants his good news to be communicated into the heart language of every single person. So you could be a Pennsylvania Dutch blue collar worker from Schuylkill County and you love Jesus. You could be a, a, a cattle herdsman over in East Africa of the Maasai tribe and completely love Jesus. The gospel is for everyone. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Acts chapter 26. That's where we're at, Acts chapter 26. Uh, and as you turn there, I'd like to give you a, a warning. Today you're going to have a special opportunity, a special invitation at the end of the message. Okay, so you'll just have to wait to the end there. Acts chapter 26. Let me give you some context. There's some drama happening here in the book of Acts with, with the apostle uh, named Paul. 
If anyone here likes courtroom dramas, then uh, Acts 23, 24, 25, 26, and so on, just that portion of the book of Acts. If you like courtroom dramas, then you'll love this story. I encourage you to read the whole thing later on. Uh, there's also some talk of, of ambush. They want to ambush Paul on the side of the road. Uh, they want Paul dead. So there's a lot of drama happening here in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul has been charged by the Jews with a variety of crimes, none of which can be proven. And just to kind of walk through quickly here, uh, there is a trial in Jerusalem before the Sanhedrin. And, you know, they, they can't they can't pin Paul down with anything. So uh, they he, they end up taking Paul to Caesarea, this beautiful town by the Mediterranean Sea, Caesarea. Uh, and he's he's there before Governor Festus. Governor Festus doesn't know what to do with him. And then two years pass by and then Governor Felix comes into power. And it's like the same thing. Governor Felix doesn't know what to do. And then we have this guy named King Agrippa. Herod Agrippa II. He's not a real king, like a like a, a client king kind of thing. Just another ruler in the area. He comes through and, and Felix is like, okay, I'm going to let Agrippa handle this. And so in Acts chapter 5, Governor uh, Felix... He tells Agrippa that these Jews have brought these charges against Paul, and we can't really figure it out. Agrippa, like, you have a little bit more knowledge about this whole religious thing. Like, you take care of it, okay? Like, what do you, what do you think of all of this? And so now we get to Acts chapter 26, and Paul, he, he has an opportunity to stand before Agrippa and, and Paul gets to make his appeal. And so let's listen in now uh, to, to Paul's defense. Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 2. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in which God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are, are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Verse 9, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. And my observation against them 
I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Okay, so Paul, he just tells his backstory there. And if you caught that, what he identified is that Paul is on trial for hope. Paul is on trial for his hope in Jesus Christ. And now next, starting in verse 12, Paul gives his story about his, his Jesus encounter. Is that me making this noise? No. That's not? All right. It, uh, it reminds me of, if you've seen the Lord of the Rings, where the goblins are like down in the, the deep, there's like something going on. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll continue on. All right. So we're in, we're in verse 12. Verse 12. All right. Uh, so, so once again, yeah, let's, let's focus here. Uh, verse 12, Paul, Paul he, he gives his backstory. Okay, he used to persecute Christians. Okay, let's just call him a terrorist. That's kind of what he was. He rounded up Christians. And then he even had permission, he got the permission slip to go to foreign countries and to, to find more Christians. Round them up, Paul. So now it's almost kind of like a Western story. He's like a bandito or, or whatever the proper term is. He's going out trying to find Christians. He is on the road to a town called Damascus. Okay, verse 12. Verse 12. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my, and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what, and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open up their eyes and turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God so that they, they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. All right, so this is Paul's conversion story on the road to Damascus. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it's this exciting story. And, and I was looking over this passage, and in light of, of world Christianity and missions and, and, and coming to Jesus and, and what we do in Children's Church and BBS, what we do here on a Sunday morning and on Wednesdays and so on and so on, as I was thinking about all of this, I'm not sure we can build a perfect missional theology out of this passage, but genuinely speaking, as we think about world 
missions, as we think about our own life, I think we can get a general idea here, a, a framework of, of here are some of the elements involved in this movement of faith. And so I have six elements to share with you today. You can think of it as, as framework or, or like a posture behind the movement of faith. And it's in no particular order, but let me just start with, with an encounter with Jesus. In our text, Paul had a very particular experience. Uh, he had a magnificent encounter. But you know what? You can't be a Christian and not meet Jesus, the real Jesus. So what that means is if you are a Christian here, you have met Jesus. An appearance has happened. You had a vision of, of Jesus, so to speak. You, you encountered Jesus. Okay? And this is, this is important. People need to meet Jesus. In Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes through hearing the message. Okay, and so now we're we're kind of mixing metaphors, but like we need to hear Jesus. We need to we need to have a a vision of of Jesus. People need to be introduced to Jesus. That is a a big part of it. Another thing out of this passage is that there is a call to discipleship. The way that I like to define and describe discipleship is this: it is moving people from unbelief to belief in all areas of life. There is a shift from, from unbelief to belief, from an area of untrust to trust, from unholy to holy, right? You, you, you get the feeling that discipleship is the slide, the shift, okay? A, a movement of, from unbelief to belief. And so whether you're Christian or non-Christian, whether you've been in the church for a long time or you've been so far away from Jesus and you've never heard of him before, everybody needs to hear good news. Jesus says, eyes need to be opened. Okay? And also, there is a, a turning, to, to use Jesus' words here. There is a turning, um, a, a converted experience. The process of going from one form to another. Again, there is a shift in discipleship. Paul is called into a life of discipleship. And guess what? So are we. To turn people from darkness into the light. To turn people from the power of Satan, the accuser, the enemy, the adversary. From the power of darkness into the power of light, the power of, of God. And so in this discipleship and evangelism process, the Holy Spirit, um, in, in, in his grace, prompts the person and, and they turn from sin. They turn from themselves and they repent and they believe the good news and they receive this awesome gift called forgiveness. And this process, this process begins long before salvation. Okay. And guess what? It continues. It, 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 keeps, it keeps going on after salvation. It is an ongoing process. Sometimes we, we think, okay, first comes evangelism, then a moment of salvation, and then that's when discipleship starts. No. Discipleship starts 
before salvation. People need to be coached and introduced to Jesus, and, and they need to hear the good news, right? That, that, happens, that happens before salvation, and it, conti- it definitely continues on after the moment of salvation, this movement of, of growth, this movement of unbelief to belief in all areas of life. And you know what? There's also this sense of of rescue in the text here this morning. This sense of rescue. In the Greek, uh, it can be translated as as like like plucked out or or gouged out. And so specifically for Paul, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to pick you out. I'm going to pluck you out, gouge you out. You're going to have a a sense of protection from your, 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 your fellow Jews, but also the Gentiles. You know, yeah, we're, we're not superhuman. We will face persecution, sickness, death. But, but, but there is a sense of rescue, deliverance, protection that comes from being in the Lord Jesus. All right, we, we might be inspired and, and this might be a callback to the memories of the Exodus where God shows up and he delivers his People, the Psalms are, are filled with, with prayers of protection and, and songs of, of rescue. In the upper room, John 17, Jesus prays that, that Father would, would protect and rescue his disciples and his power. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Galatians 1.4 clearly states, Jesus rescued us. From the present evil age. And of course in Christ we also have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The comforter. The counselor. The helper. The advocate. The intercessor. The strengthener. The spirit of of power. And absolutely Christian missions would be a dubious and futile project without the Holy Spirit. Without that that sense of, of Rescue and protection and, and you know what? I've been plucked out and I've been called to do this thing called, called evangelism. Called discipleship. And also notice there, there is a, a sending out. Jesus sends Paul out specifically to the nations, to the Gentiles. This was his divine calling, his office. Okay, he's apostle with a capital A. Paul is sent out, and so are we. We also are sent out, commissioned together to go make disciples. Go move people from unbelief to belief in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are sent out to do this. And Paul is sent out with an appointment to witness and to serve. To witness means to to testify to be the storyteller, to be the truth teller, okay, to witness. We're also called into a life of service, a person in a subordinate uh, position. The Greek word for serve here in this text is actually the same word for under rower. And you might be thinking correctly, the lowest deck on a Roman war galley is a bunch of benches and the rowers would sit there. You might be thinking of Ben-Hur, some of these old movies. Uh, and, and the rowers had to row, and they, they had to follow the, the order of the, of the, 
whatever that guy's title would be called, the, the drummer guy, the, the, the pacemaker, they would have to follow orders. They, they were under rowers. Okay? They were, they were people who, hey, faster, slower, pivot, left, right, go, jump. Like, you, you are in a life of service. That is the word that Jesus uses here. Paul is an under rower. We are under rowers. We are sent out to be these messenger, storytelling under rowers who are all about Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he has been beating the drum of the world missions movement. He beats the drum of Plymouth Meeting Church. And as the gospel spreads, more and more people come into the family of God. Which leads us to the last element here is inheritance. Okay, When people come into the faith, they get a share. They get a, a home, a room in God's house, another metaphor. They get a place in the family of, of God. In the Old Testament, this was a strong concept. The idea of inheritance. The idea of, of home. Right? Promised land. This, this idea that you have a country. Right? This idea of, of, of belonging. Big concept in the Old Testament. A place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, Jesus says. So you know what? I don't know how you imagine the life that is to come. But you know what? They're, they're not going to be all Americans who speak English. <laughs> right? Because in Christ, we share an inheritance with Jews. We speak Hebrew and Aramaic and Greeks and Germans and Asians and Africans and Hispanics and indigenous people from all over the world. All these sanctified people from different parts of the world, all around the world. Sanctified people who love and worship Jesus. And so we believe that there is a place in the family of God for all people. And we are sent out as under rowers to go tell the story of Jesus, to speak good news so that hopefully others can, can hear this and resonate with it. They can chew on the good news and maybe eventually they can have a real encounter with Jesus. Where people can, can move from unbelief to belief in all areas of life. Where they can know that they know that they know that they are rescued, that they are delivered, that they have the forgiveness of sins, and they are walking in the kingdom of light, and they are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. That's what we're about here. That's what we believe. And so on World Mission Sunday, we are recognizing that we are a part of all of this. We have a role in this big story. In the Old Testament... The people of God, they had to keep figuring out, okay, what, is, what does it mean to be a faithful people? What, what does discipleship look like in ancient Israel as, as they're pilgrims, as they're settled, when they're in good times, whether in bad times, whether they're in exile, whether in, they're in freedom? They had to cons consistently figure out, okay, what is our role? What does discipleship look like? How do we, how do we teach our kids how do we introduce them to Yahweh? In the New Testament, you know, Jesus is all about this. He, he launches 
the discipleship movement. And then the challenge continues for us today. How do we continue to talk about and live in faith, live in obedience, and be authentic to this missional story, this missional calling of making disciples all around the world? And so, yes, Christian, Christian mission history, there's a lot of bad moments in that history. There are warts, okay? But there's certainly a lot of legends. There's, there's a lot of good, beautiful moments in our Christian mission history. But at the end of the day, hear this. Christian missions has been successful. We can see this because Christianity is growing around the world. We might not see it here in America, but but around the world, there are parts on this globe where, where Christianity is on fire. Jesus' people are blossoming. You know what? There's still plenty of work to do. So how can we be a part of this world missions movement? Well, one critique that I read was that the local church doesn't do missions well because we don't talk about missions well. In other words, our, our dialogue is just underdeveloped. So there's so much more to say about missions and missionaries and missional theology and uh, missiology and all of that, but let's simply just start with us. Let's start with the local church. What I want to admonish today is this. The, the local church, us, the local church is so incredibly important to the world missions movement. And I love how Peggy Newell puts it. She says, the local church is essential to the mission of global evangelism, to the unengaged, unreached peoples of the world. The local church is the incubator to grow strong, gospel-centric believers who have a passion for the loss, whether in their neighborhood, at their place of work, or in a distant and potentially forgotten corner of the world. She throws this word in there, incubator. The local church, this is the, the ground-level hub where we can learn, where we can train, where we can fall in love with Jesus, where we can fall in love with Missions. It happens here. You know, we, it, it's a misstep to think that, okay, we're going to raise our kids up, but then when they graduate high school, if they want to go to missions, then finally, okay, send them to a Bible college and, and let, let the seminaries train them. That's a misstep. We can start here in the local church and what we do, what we do here. The local church has an incubator for missions. And so guess what? As the local church, first off, all of us here, we're invited to support our missionaries. You may have seen this card before. We do something a little, a little bit different, a little bit special here. Our missionary support, like, like the actual money that helps people live, our missionaries, right? Uh, this does not come out of our general budget. This comes from you all, your, your gracious, generous donations. Okay, and so we, we need 
committed partners who are willing, just, you know, whether it's a few bucks or, you know, you're committed to adopting like a whole missionary family and the whole expense and all of that, you are all invited. We are all invited to support missionaries here. And so you might see these cards floating around. On the back is just some, some uh, you know, some notes you can make, how much you're, you want to participate in, financially speaking, or, or through prayer, okay? Please consider supporting our missionaries, okay? And that is an ongoing endeavor. We'll continue to talk about that before, uh, you know, ongoing here. But next... Next is this. If you want to go deeper, if you like missions, you like the idea of missions, and you're like, you know what? I can support financially, but I want a little bit more. Here at Plymouth Meeting Church, we're looking to build a team of people who want to embrace all things missions. So just a few questions for you. Do you have a heart for the lost? And this is your, your special invitation that I referenced earlier. Do you have a heart for the lost? Do you have a heart for people who are living in darkness? Do you want eyes to be opened? Are you teachable? Do you want to learn more about the history of missions? The history of the church? Theology and philosophy of missions? The practice of missions? Do you just want to like actually just go out and do missions? Do you have a global vision? Do you want to live for something bigger than yourself? Are you concerned with how we train and send out workers here at Plymouth Meeting Church? How we send them out into the harvest field? Are you a person who wants to be committed to this? Where you're not, you know, nonchalant, you know, like, like no, none of that. But you're like, you know what, this is important. I want this. I want this to be successful. I want PMC to be successful and fruitful here and faithful. Do you just have a passion for this, this whole mission topic? And you really want to see something cool happen here. Well, here's your special opportunity. If you're interested in, in this, would you consider being a part of our missionary fellowship? Our missionary fellowship. On behalf of Community Connections Commission, which oversees our missionary fellowship, we're looking for individuals to, to join in. A fellowship, a team of people who want to talk, learn, raise awareness, raise support, and go do missions. A team that, that, that will help mobilize us as a church. If this is speaking to you, then over in the gathering place, in the building next door, there's a sign-up sheet. There's a sign-up sheet. Please put your name down. We'll contact you. And this is, this is how we're going to kick it off. It's not, it's not set yet, but hopefully in the next month or two or three, we're going to have our, our first missionary fellowship meeting, or kind of like the relaunch of missionary fellowship. I'm working with a special guest speaker. He's going to come in, do a little presentation, have some Q&A, help us kind of to, to, to stir up and, and spur up this idea of, of missions. We'll do it over coffee and pie. 
uh, it'll be a good it'll be a good time. It might be a Saturday night, a Sunday night, or something like that. But missionary fellowship, the relaunch, the the reboot, it's coming back to PMC. And some of you who have worshipped here for a long time, you know this church has a history with missionary societies and and and, and missions. In fact, you know, a hundred years ago, they had more than one. They had like the the main group, but then the young people also had their own missionary society here. It's so cool. And so we're we're bringing back missionary fellowship to have real people, real bodies coming together. Maybe we'll meet like four times a year, but there there's going to be an educational component to it. We'll we'll talk about missions. We'll 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 touch base with the missionaries that we support. We'll help do fundraisers. We'll we'll just raise awareness of of what's happening here. And and again, this first meeting, we'll have like some pie and coffee, and we'll talk about missions. That's all to be determined, to be announced. So stay tuned. So please sign up if you are interested over there, and we'll circle back and meet up with you. We'll connect with you and let you know when when that first meeting will be. Church, we are a local church, and the gospel is a big gospel. We're called to live into this, this big gospel, this big story that is way bigger than ourselves. God is on the move. God is on the move, and we're joining in. Let's pray.